I had a question for you guys on that last question. I was muted, of course. I didn't get it. <laughs> Gosh. Brought to you by iLAM. This is the Cloud Bytes Podcast, where we bring together panels of opinionated cloud customers, providers, and analysts to discuss topics related to how clouds are built, marketed, and consumed. Everyone has different needs in the cloud, so we'll debate the topic at hand and at the very least agree to disagree. Our goal is to provide good sound bites about how to manage your bites in the cloud. And sometimes the best conclusion may simply be that the cloud bites. This episode is all about the concerns customers have with securing their data in the cloud. My name is Brian Knudsen. I'm the Director of Cloud Market Intelligence for Island, and will be acting as our moderator for today's discussion. This episode's panel includes a unique mix of securing customers in the cloud. Let's start with having each of our panelists quickly introduce themselves with their current role and a soundbite of their initial thoughts about what is important when considering concerns about security in the cloud. Sure. Thanks, Brian. I'm uh, John Grange. I'm co-founder and CTO of OpsCompass. OpsCompass is a SaaS product that helps customers with cloud security posture management, visibility, and generally improving the security efficiency and scalability of their cloud operations. You know, scaling cloud operations is really hard. <laughs> It's an organizational thing. It's a technological thing. It's, it's really difficult. Cloud misconfigurations is a huge problem space. So we're really passionate about helping customers really wrap their arms around the cloud, DevOps, Agile. What's different? What's the best way to handle it? We happen to have a great tool for helping them with it. But I know for me, I've been in infrastructure and operations. I've started a number of companies in the space and I'm really passionate about helping customers wrap their arms around these issues, helping customers, you know, kind of innovate in how they're delivering their applications and their services. And, you know, dealing with governance and security and compliance has always been kind of at the top of the list of issues kind of that they have to work through to get to those ends. So again, happy to be here. Good morning. This is Christopher Pasquich. I'm our uh, business development manager over CompuNet's cloud co-location and carrier practice. CompuNet was founded nearly 23 years ago by a group of engineers who were simply just looking to serve customers who were needing experts to help just kind of listen, consult, uh, design, and implement their technology solutions. And today it's uh, grown over to 200 employees. We're serving eight Western uh, United States and uh, Canada. And uh, really just holding true to its founding principles of being very engineering led and always doing the right thing. Regarding security in the cloud, I just truly believe that having partners like CompuNet and iLand who truly understand security best practices and also have a deep bench of security experts will continue to be critical to organizations as they uh, define a robust and compliant security posture. Hi, my name is Arjan Timmerman. I work as an independent architect here in the Netherlands, helping customers move to the cloud, be it hybrid, be it cloud first. And um, yeah, cloud security is a big thing on that. So I'm really interested in talking about that on this episode. Thank you all for joining me. It should come as no surprise to anyone who's paid attention to the cloud market that security is the number one concern people have when considering putting data in the cloud. Security is clearly difficult in the data center where a single company has full control over all the components. But introducing a third party that will be managing some or all of those levels below the data deserves some extra concern. John, is data in the cloud inherently less secure or are there ways to actually improve security when moving to the cloud? I think the cloud is, is actually inherently more secure than the previous on-premise data centers. But I actually think that it's, the way that the cloud is utilized, the kind of cloud native and DevOps methodologies that are 
probably inherently less secure. And what I mean by that is, you know, the cloud itself is programmatic. It's API driven, which means I can automate it. I can, you know, automate and make consistent the fact that we're, you know, zero trust from a network perspective and that we've got our security posture nailed down. But, you know, that's a great plan until people start, you know, deploying things and the action starts happening. And, you know, and when you have with DevOps, you have more frequent deployments. Companies are expanding their footprint of applications that are out in the cloud and really new innovative applications that they're building internally. All that creates a lot of chaos and even the best laid plans can end up failing. So I think it's kind of ends up being this muddled space where, yes, you can in principle make the cloud just manifestly more secure than your data center ever was. But, and this is where I, I kind of mentioned earlier in my intro, talked about scaling is hard in the cloud. It is, it's very hard to go from, we kind of have a small cloud footprint, maybe a couple applications, and man, they are locked down. We are organized. We've got our CICD pipelines. We've got security in the pipeline. We know what's in the cloud. It's hard to go from that to 10x that. And maintain that same level of kind of control from, you know, development and all the way into production and runtime. So it's kind of, I'm, you know, on the fence a little bit, but I would definitely say that the cloud is inherently more secure for sure. And where customers really need to focus to be successful is on that whole surround and on how they're really set up to scale. Cause that's how it continues to be, you know, inherently more secure as you grow. Yeah, I do agree on the fact that um, the cloud is, more secure than uh, most of the on-premises environment that I'll see. I think that mainly has to do that the hyperscalers and the public cloud are really built around everything that's going on in there. So they're really focused on security and all that comes with it, where a on-premises data center is something that's built by a couple of tech geeks, right? And they're really good at their jobs, but it's nine out of 10 times not as secure as the cloud will be or can be. But it all comes down to making sure that you have the right people doing the right stuff. And from a security perspective, that means that you have to make sure that you know all the little details that are needed to make sure that things are secure in the cloud. And what we see here is often that things are in a hybrid form, at least for a longer time. So making sure that things are secure between those two and secure from a endpoint perspective to what you're offering to the customers. Security needs to be in all of that. And it doesn't really mean that the cloud is secure than a on-premises environment, it's that everything needs to fit together, if you ask me. Yeah, and uh, in my experience, data security is really a shared responsibility. You know, both the uh, cloud services provider and the customer who is utilizing those services have some certain levels of responsibility in working with security experts like CompuNet and cloud service providers like Island can really help a customer identify where each will start and stop. and. Uh, not only that, just have visibility into their environment and ensure both the customer security posture needs and uh, best practices are being implemented. Yeah, one common thread that we've had through a lot of episodes this season is that these concerns can generally be alleviated by planning, by having a good plan going into it, knowing what you have, knowing what you want in the end, and 
being able to put those pieces together the right way is key. And no one's explicitly said that in this group yet, but I think you're all kind of pointing at that in a lot of ways. You know, when you start talking about the DevOps type stuff, it's about making sure you've got proper controls in place. When you talk about the shared security model, it's about understanding what you are really responsible for. So I don't know that any of you would disagree with the fact that knowing what you're getting yourself into when you move into the cloud is perhaps more important when you consider security than you would in an on-premises situation where you have kind of that firewall around the whole thing where you know that you are in control of who gets in. There's also a kind of an issue there of aligning your aspirations with your capabilities. And in the data center, when you buy an infrastructure and you maybe do a colo agreement or whatever, you build a data center, you're planning at your everything in three years out, five years out. It's coming in and it's all getting set up and you don't really have to think about that incremental piece. So your aspirations and your capabilities, it's very easy to just align that and move forward. Whereas in the cloud, you have these aspirations for where you're going to go in the cloud, but you don't start with that day one. It's incremental, it's variable. And you kind of have to figure out how to, along the way, never have too much of a delta between where you want to be and what you actually need to be doing and can do today. And I think that that just is a big kind of paradigm shift, particularly for IT departments. It's a different way to think. You kind of have to update your aspirations and your capabilities a little bit, right, as you go. So I think that that's a big part of it as well. Yeah, I agree. I think security has become more of a fluid conversation these days, right? You're not kind of setting and forgetting things like you may have thought so in the past as you build out a data center or even a hybrid solution. But the types of attacks and ways at which they're coming are so much more fluid these days that you really got to be having a lot of attention spent on those areas now. And uh, I think cloud affords you to the ability to do that a little bit more in a fluid process and perhaps a traditional hardware solution. Yeah, true on that. I'm actually talking with a customer right now, and what they're seeing is that where they want to do things with software as a service, they're talking to the SaaS supplier, and when they're talking with them, they're saying, yeah, we still need to have SFTP to get uh, certain stuff out of your system or to get the things that we need to fill everything from other suppliers or software that hooks into that. And that comes from on-premises right now that will go into a SaaS provider for them, which makes it even harder because one wants to do it this way, the other wants to do it that way. And streamlining that is really hard to do. So for the foreseeable future, at least from what I'm seeing, is that there needs to be a good view on what's going on and how you're going to do stuff really secure. And that will be there for quite some time, if you ask me, because not everything will move right into the public cloud in the next couple of years, I guess. Yeah. So we've definitely got a long road ahead of us when it comes to adopting cloud. And, you know, there's a lot of customers that haven't even dipped their toe in yet. I know more than a handful of those that have been resisting the cloud not just not looking at it, but actively resisting it. And Arian, as you help customers to look at the cloud, I suspect that they'll continue to have security as their top concern. I don't see that ever being dethroned anytime soon. But what are some of the things that you help customers look for in the cloud providers that can help address or alleviate these concerns directly? It kind of depends on what the customer is doing. So if I look at the current customer that I'm helping, which is a care uh, supplier here in the Netherlands, 
that is looking to move everything into the cloud. They really want to go away from their own data center in one or two years. They want to move everything either into a SaaS offering or into a IaaS offering in the Azure cloud. And what you're seeing there is, is some of the things that I already talked about is how am I going to make sure that data from one application is moved into the other application? How do I make sure that I can do single sign-on with all my applications? I want to move from Citrix, so how am I going to make sure that all the SaaS offerings that I have, which are browser-based, are secure as well? So there's a lot going on. There's much more than only that. But then you have all the, the locations that need to be able to get into the applications as well sharing their data internally as well as externally. So how am I going to do that? How am I going to use things like Microsoft 365, like SharePoint Online and Teams and all that kind of stuff? So there's a lot of conversation going on about how to share data, but I think it all starts with how am I going to make a secure environment for everybody, firstly internally, but then from the outside as well. Because what we're saying right now, that's one of the examples that I wanted to give, is that they're looking at, so we are sharing our data, our documents right now from a email perspective. So everything that we want to share is shared through email. And what we're talking about right now is sharing through Office Online, so SharePoint and all that kind of stuff. So how am I going to make sure that everything that we want to go out is secured, but that we can also monitor that from a security perspective as well? And that's what most of the customers here want to look at. We mentioned that last time as well. We've got a lot of compliance going on right here. So where is my data and how am I going to make sure that it doesn't end up in the wrong hands? That's what I am helping my customers with. And that's some huge thing that we need to address from a security perspective. I think that that's a great point and it speaks to something that I was going to bring up, which is the education piece. And I think that what the hyperscalers are doing, what they can do and are doing currently is educating the customer on cloud adoption, best practices, security, because, you know, you know, we work with Microsoft, for instance, at Ops Compass, and they have, we do cloud adoption framework workshops with enterprise customers. And what those workshops really are from Microsoft's perspective is it's like, you know, when customers want to move file shares into the file share product inside Azure storage, they know about the protocols and like they get that part of it, but there is so much surround in the cloud from kind of governance and organizational hierarchy to some of the kind of specific security issues that you were just talking about. That whether it's AWS with like their well-architected workshops and like I was just talking about Microsoft with the cloud adoption framework, I think that the major cloud providers are putting a lot of effort into providing that surround knowledge and that education that makes this stuff click because that storage team, you know, you could have the best docs on how that, you know, that file share service works. But if the org can't feel good about the surround and 
feel good that they kind of understand how things are working and it's not just this mysterious black box of the cloud, you know. I think that that's probably the biggest thing that they can do to alleviate the concern. Yeah. And I think some of the biggest things that are kind of maybe often just on a basic level that are overlooked by uh, organizations as they evaluate cloud services, you know, is just from a very basic level, the hardened and physical security around the uh, data centers in which these cloud pods typically sit. I don't think people consider that. Some of the network and port access securities that are put in place to uh, guard against some of those malicious attacks from outside. You know, and then I think somebody spoke a little bit about data, right? Uh, what's public, what's not? Uh, having security experts that can really help you make sure that you're only exposing the type of data and port access uh, to what should be uh, available to the public and not and how uh, customers are accessing that data from the outside. You know, utilizing cloud services for things like DDoS mitigation or protection, things like that, pushing your data to the edge and putting that strain on maybe an external network. The 24 by 7 knock that a lot of providers get when they uh, bring in a cloud services provider that they probably couldn't afford otherwise. You know, insider protection, ransomware, malicious and accidental deletion, things like that are things to consider as you're evaluating cloud services. Just that ongoing monitoring and management for patches, fixes, things like that. Those are typically strains on an IT staff when you're looking at building out things on-prem that you kind of are able to offload to your cloud services provider that you select. So I think those are things that are great uh, ways to improve an organization's security uh, beyond what they could probably uh, try to do on their own. Yeah, I think that's key. And that kind of folds back into what was said earlier about kind of the shared responsibility model and understanding what both entities are responsible for. And just because they may be responsible for something that you as a customer no longer have to worry about, you still need to make sure that they're doing the proper things for your data, not just to be good stewards of the data, but I mean, from a compliance perspective, you can be responsible for what they have going on there. When we're responsible for it ourselves on premises, my experience has shown that most businesses really do struggle with it. You know, when you consider most businesses in the world are small businesses, they may have one or two IT staff that are responsible for everything, not just routing protocols on the network or being an exchange administrator or Citrix administrator or VMware administrator, all of which can be full-time jobs by themselves, even in a small business, but they're also responsible for the data center operations and the security operations. And that makes it really tough for many businesses to be able to do security properly. Christopher, what security requirements do you recommend to customers when they're looking at cloud platforms to be kind of that checklist of things that, hey, make sure that your cloud provider has these things. We've hit a few of those, but I'm curious from your perspective, if you have a defined list. Yeah, that's a great question. Usually my first recommendation is just to make sure that the organizations have a partner, you know, like a CompuNet and ILN that have security experts on staff to help them guide them in their cloud decision process, right? I mean, that's a, a really key factor and a good question customers should be asking, you know, as they engage with partners is just to make sure they truly understand how to bring in a uh, security expert that can help not just architect that bit, but also the other the components that we talked about earlier. You know, some other items I would probably do during a uh, consideration is just a uh, partners and cloud services provider of understanding, you know, the CIS uh, top 20 controls and how to architect your cloud and if you're running a hybrid environment, how to architect uh, your premise environment as well, uh, following those controls. It's extremely important to understand those and how to really build out uh, both 
sides of your services following those controls. I think a cloud services company like Island's ability to demonstrate compliance and security controls, not just self-reporting, but also third-party attestations around those compliances and controls, right? I see a lot of customers get embedded with providers that are just built basically self-reporting. They're not really getting a third party to come in and audit those controls. So it's really important to identify where those are and make sure that you're finding the right provider that will actually uh, put some paper behind those claims. Understanding ongoing upkeep. Again, you know, a lot of times we talked about, you know, data center and people building out their own infrastructure. They kind of get into the set it and forget it mentality. Security is an ongoing <laughs> requirement. Uh, things change. IT skills gaps uh, are sometimes created and working with partners that kind of maybe some can fill those IT skills gaps is going to be really important because there may be people that are just very generalist and they know a lot of different technologies, but they're not experts in any one of them. Being able to rely on partners that can come in and actually fulfill some of those IT skills gaps is going to be really important to uh, engage. And then uh, lastly, I think uh, just you know, having least privilege as a very simple principle for granting only permissions to an individual or a third party that is required to complete a specific task. And uh, I think somebody spoke a little bit about automation earlier. You can do a lot of things in granting least privilege to certain data sets or certain job or tasks that need to be completed through automation. So this is one of, I think, one of the best practices that we can recommend is just making sure that you're only given privilege for a job or a task that's needed and not just giving uh, the keys to the kingdom to an application or a third party or uh, even a teammate. They don't need those uh, God powers, I guess, is the way I would put it. I like that God powers, the global admin. You know, for me, like I said earlier, I think that the number one thing I look for is probably surprisingly, you know, great documentation and training capabilities. I just think that just seeing with customers that skills gap is kind of a profound enough thing for them that, you know, having like the strong documentation center of like an AWS and, you know, some of the training capabilities, I can't imagine how much like Microsoft has spent on their Azure training. I think that's just invaluable. You know, I think a bunch of them are already said, you know, policy as code, I think is really important. Being able to automate, that's where you really are able to get the security out of the cloud that I think we all spoke to earlier. Like it is like potentially like way more secure if you do it right. And policy as code, infrastructure as code, automation really helps with that. I, I think that the visibility at the end of the day is, you know, it's the cloud provider can kind of provide that through the API, but at the end of the day, you as a customer still kind of have to put the pieces together. And so as you're scaling, how do you see what you need to see? But it seems like a lot of customers have maybe chosen a cloud provider and they might not be doing much yet, but they kind of have one in mind that they're maybe working with in some way or, or starting, I just I think that uh, the ones that are the easiest to get into through documentation and training and being able to get things going end up tend to be kind of the winners. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with the last two speakers. I think what's really important, if I look at it from what we're doing here, is that get the right partner. Because if you're going into the cloud, and especially if you're diving in deep, you need partners that will help you with that. And make sure those partners will help your IT staff do the right things and learn from them as well. Because they've got the knowledge, nine out of 10 times the IT staff that are doing those things don't have that kind of experience and knowledge about what's going on. So they need to be teached on site from a partner perspective. That's really important as well. Make sure that you also teach the people that are being moved into the cloud. So the end user needs to be taught what's going on and what they can and what they cannot do, because in the end, they have the data. And 
from a IT perspective, you can offer them a lot. But in the end, there's always something that they can do to mess everything up, right? So make sure that you teach your end users as well about what's going on in the cloud and how they can securely do things. I think that's really important as well. Yeah, that's a great list. I encourage everyone to go back and take notes on all those bullet points. How big of a deal do you all think it is that the cloud provider have kind of like a hybrid solution? So, you know, with AWS and and Azure, they have Arc and like Outposts. And like, I know both those providers are pushing us a lot to like talk about it more and those sorts of things. I haven't quite seen on the customer end, just like the, you know, beating down the door for stuff like that, like extending like your management APIs out to like wherever you want. But what do you guys think of that? I've seen some tire kickers around Outpost and the Microsoft side as well. I haven't really had anybody on our side come in. We're a traditional VARB. You know, we've built out a lot of on-prem data centers, but uh, mostly what you said is we're seeing a lot more customers demand, you know, certain workloads going into an Azure and AWS and iLand and companies like that. I think a lot of companies still struggle on the dev side where they have legacy applications that need to be refactored and uh, set up so they can actually run efficiently in the cloud. But I think with, uh, well, let's call it what it is when COVID hit, I think that forced a lot of organizations to start really moving that needle because their remote workforce was just struggling to access those applications in a meaningful manner. And their data center was not really set up for you know having people come in from the outside where cloud really affords that ability and that scalability for them to be able to do that. So, but yeah, in regards to those two, um, I, haven't, I, mean, I mean, us as an organization, like I said, we've just had some tire kickers. I just haven't had anybody that's really wanted to move full in on those types of solutions yet. Yeah, from a Europe perspective, I really think we're not seeing that at all. We do see a lot of companies that are going from a Hyper-V environment into Azure or something like that. AWS is much less around here in Europe. It's, it's mainly either Microsoft Azure or local cloud providers. And I haven't seen any of the things you mentioned here in, in Europe as well. And what I said, it's mainly the other way around. So going into the cloud from a on-premises environment, which is some Hyper-V and mainly VMware. And VMware offers you tools to get into a hybrid environment as well, very well. So I'm not seeing them as well. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I don't see it day-to-day at all. But you know what I am hearing out in the marketplace, I don't hear much about that either. It's one of those things that you know AWS finally felt like they had to have a solution to. Quite frankly, I I would view it as a customer as explicit attempts to lock in Mm -hmm. me into a specific platform, which (laughs) is happening anyway. And we hear stories about it anyway, because, you know, you start consuming a specific AWS thing and it's not easy to translate that into Azure's version of it or pull it back on premises or move it to a VMware based platform like Island. So that lock in already exists, but I think customers are going to have a more visceral reaction when they have a piece of equipment show up with AWS's logo on it that, wow, this is going to be really hard for us to get off of if we ever decided to go away from it. Yeah, I think, honestly, I've seen more push for bare metal recently. Customers wanting to get out of that lock-in on uh, the traditional hypervisor level where they can just kind of control and run what they want, whether they put their own hypervisor on a bare metal server or just you know run it as a bare metal box. I think that's uh, actually becoming a lot more popular recently, and I kind of feel like we're going back in time. Yeah, so you know, through this conversation, I've definitely heard that 
generally speaking, moving to the cloud can put you in a better security posture. When you consider the specialization of all the people that a cloud provider has working for them, working full-time, doing specialist jobs within the cloud, they're going to be far more experienced and far more in-depth of the security topics than a generalist inside of an organization and an individual customer organization is going to be. So take advantage of that. You know, the frequent updates and scale of the modern data management that we use, you know, when we talk about things like DevOps and Agile, can make security go out of control a lot easier. So, you know, those are important to make sure you've got proper controls over and making sure that you view security as a very fluid topic. I know as a cloud provider, we oftentimes talk a lot about ransomware and it seems like every quarter we're doing something about ransomware and security threats and things like fires and data centers that can destroy data and how to protect that. We do that frequently because things change that often. You know, the approaches that the bad guys are taking are constantly evolving to defeat our defenses. So keep in mind that security is no longer just protecting data from the outside, but you also need to make sure that your internal security is built up too. Defense in depth is the right way to do security these days. And part of how you can get there is having partners that you can really trust. So look for those partners and cloud providers that will provide education, will provide documentation on their security practices and the way that you as a customer can implement best practices on their platform. And like I said, we got a great list that I recommend you take notes on, but some of the things that I think are most important from that list of things to look for, you know, understanding how cross-application communications can be secured, how you can implement, and if the cloud provider is implementing least privilege management, I think that one's a huge one. And, you know, good documentation will hopefully show you how to secure your data when you want to share it externally. So things like, you know, how do you properly set the security on that object storage bucket is a common one that we point to because we see lots of leaks through that. Ask your cloud providers about their physical and lower layer securities. While you no longer have to manage those, it's important that you understand they're doing the right things. And even more important that you understand for the purposes of you may be legally responsible for those lower levels of security. If something happens at those lower levels, you know, you're kind of handing off responsibility, but you're not entirely handing off the responsibility of that. And there can be consequences if you don't make sure that they're going to do the right things. There's several frameworks. CIS was mentioned is, is one that I like as well that can help guide you to what the proper security is. And most of those are kind of being tweaked to handle the cloud. In a lot of cases, it doesn't matter. It just matters who's in control of those individual pieces. And then finally, for Island, this is actually a big thing for us. And, and so I'm going to highlight it here is compliance controls are critical. And it's more than just, hey, you know, we tested our environment and we meet these compliance badges and they put all the badges on the website. We have a whole episode dedicated just talking about this topic. So, you know, I'm not going to go too in depth in it, but look for those third party attestations. Look for independent auditors that can come in and say, yes, we reviewed everything this cloud provider is doing and we see that they're doing the right things for this compliance. So very important research to be done there. Obviously, it's no minor matter to take care of when you're moving into the cloud. And if you're concerned about it, that's good. <laughs> Be paranoid. Good security is based on people that get a little paranoid sometimes. And I think that's a good thing. But with that, let's finish off this episode of the Cloud Bytes podcast. Thank you to John, Ariane, and Christopher for a great conversation. Also, thanks to Island for making this podcast possible. 
Please check out the episode notes, panelist contact information, further information on this topic, and all the other episodes at cloudbytes.cloud. You can also find our episodes on your favorite podcast apps. If you found this content useful, we'd appreciate you sharing with your friends and colleagues and rating us on your favorite podcast platforms. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Cloud Bytes podcast. That was kind of a cool conversation. I'm going to listen to that and see if I can crop that out and put that whole conversation to the main podcast because that was that was really a really good conversation.